No, God is here and he is listening. He is the God of the open ear. Isn't that great to know the God of the universe is our father. He is listening. He wants to heal. He wants to help through his word now. He wants to not only instruct us that we might understand who he is and many things that he shows us through his word, but that we would have insight for our regular lives, uh, starting when we go out these doors and know that Emmanuel, God is with us. Please turn in your New Testaments to Mark chapter five, verses one through 20, as we continue in this series, does Jesus matter? And let me tell you, he matters in this passage today. In fact, it's an interesting experience, is it not, to be in a church that believes in verse by verse exposition, Otherwise, if preachers were picking and choosing, they might not pick this passage. But I'm glad that we're not picking. I'm, this, this is a part of what we need to know, though it is a difficult passage. Hear now the word of God to you and to me. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar off, he ran and he fell down before Jesus and crying out in a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to the demon, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And the demon replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And the demon begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. And now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And the demons begged him saying, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. And so he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to, and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion within him, just sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to leave. 
to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged Jesus that he might go with him. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. This is Legion versus the Lord. That's what this is. Legion versus the Lord. And I want to begin with Legion and then we'll get to Jesus confronting these demons. Um, you know, Christ and his disciples, uh, as, as Jesus said, let us go to the other side of the lake, leaving Capernaum, leaving the crowds that were crushing in on him, hard days of ministry, proclaiming the kingdom of God, driving out demons, healing the sick, getting in this boat. Let's go to the other side, to the eastern side. Well, one of the largest nor'easters in the history of the Sea of Galilee came and found them right in the middle of that and they were going to drown and there were other boats with them. And Jesus proved that he had authority over the natural realm and he, with his voice, stilled the wind and stilled the water. And they were terrified of Jesus. Who, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? So now they are making it to the eastern side, and the eastern side was the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. It's an area called the Decapolis, meaning the ten cities. And, uh, and so they are, they are coming to this place in the, the Gerasenes, and there's, there's discussion about what the name of the town is in this larger region called the Gadarenes. But they're coming to this little city in the Decapolis. And you know, the disciples must be thinking, I am so glad we left all those crowds. I'm so glad we made it through this storm. I know why he is taking us to the eastern side because it is so sparsely populated. We're going to finally get some rest over where there's no, where there are very few people on the other side. And as soon as the boat lands, someone is there to meet them. And it is not the head of the Chamber of Commerce welcoming them. There is this naked, and see, even though I'm from Northwest Florida, I didn't say naked. There is this naked, crazed, wild man literally running at the top of his speed down that beach right at them. And it is scary. Verse 1, they came to the other side, the eastern side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And the moment Jesus stepped out of the boat immediately, remember that's the word in Mark, next thing happens, next thing happens. Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him with a chain. They couldn't shackle him. He broke the shackles. Uh, night and day, he was howling at the top of his lungs and cutting himself with stones. And look at verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran. He started running 
toward Jesus. Now, verse 2 says that this man was, quote, with a demon. And I think this is very important to distinguish from uh, verse 18, later in this passage, that says he was possessed by a demon. We know he's possessed not only by a demon, but an army of them. But the reason it's interesting that he says that basically this man comes and this man is demonized. And what that means is this man has the influence of a demon. He has the pressure uh, of, of a demon. And I'm going to make the case that we're all demonized. And we all have this pressure, but we are not like this man from the tombs. And it gets wilder, y'all, from here. Um, one of the things I don't want you to miss about this this narrative is the way a Jewish, first century Jewish audience would receive this. You know, we don't really have this notion of things and food and situations that are unclean versus clean. But if you are a first century Jew, for instance, you could not touch a Gentile. If you touched a Gentile, that'll cost you a week of becoming ceremonially clean for worship yet again. This is why the Jews would go around Samaria. You know, the Samaritans were kind of half Gentile, half Jewish, kind of mongrel in the Jewish eyes. And you, you know, you just couldn't, didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. But y'all, there are three things here that if you were a first century Jew listening to or reading this, this story, you would say, ooh, this is awful. This is like the, the height of uncleanness times four. First, it's the Gentiles side. Secondly, this man had, notice it doesn't say an evil spirit. It says an unclean spirit. An ungodly unclean. He's building this idea that this is the height of yuck and uncleanness. And far, far from God. He has an unclean spirit. Secondly, he lived in the tombs. This is important because, you know, if you were a Jew at that time, you couldn't touch a dead body. If you touched a dead body, you were considered unclean. In fact, by the time of Jesus' ministry, it wasn't just touching a dead body. It was kind of the accoutrements of dead bodies and couldn't touch, for instance, what we would call a coffin and, and different things surrounding death. Well, this guy lives in the tombs with the dead. It is the height of uncleanness. Gentile, unclean spirit lives with the dead. And then fourth, 2,000 pigs. You know, pigs for a Jew are a no-no. Those are unclean animals. And y'all, this is the first century. This, this isn't like, you know, farming conglomerates or something like we have today where, you know, these big corporations own massive land. They have huge herds. Y'all, 2,000 pigs is a lot of pigs on the side of that. So it's yuck Jews, yuck the unclean spirit, yuck he lives with the dead, and yuck there are 2,000 pigs. What would a nice Jewish boy be doing with, with, in that place? 
Well, they think they're, they're going to get a little rest. But y'all, it's not just about unclean. You need to see that because a, a, a Jewish audience would, would get that immediately and go, wow, this is really interesting. But it's way beyond the idea of uncleanness. This is the most radical dealing with Satan and demons in the entire Bible up until Revelation with the final dealing with Satan and back to when Satan and a third of the angels were thrown out of heaven. There are Old Testament passages. Jesus mentions Satan being thrown down. Revelation mentions this as well. When it comes to demons and like the aggregated power of unclean spirits, it doesn't get any bigger than this. This is, this is it, y'all. And Jesus is going to take on just this multiplicity of evil in this passage. It's amazing. There are different, I think four different people have been possessed with a demon. Maybe this is the fifth in the book of Mark. But, you know, Jesus was teaching in Capernaum, and right there in church, there's, there's a man who has a demon. And the demon says out loud, you know, are you here to destroy us, uh, the Son of God? And that's one demon. And Jesus cast out that one demon. This is thousands. Jesus asked the man whom the demons have possessed, who are controlling the man, what is your name? He's asking not for the man's name, but the demon's name. And the demon says, and if you were a Jewish person reading this about unclean and about this demonic possession, you would be terrified at this moment. He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, why would the word Legion terrify a Jew? Well, what is a Legion? A Legion is six thousand Roman soldiers that basically cannot be stopped, at least by Jewish forces. 6,000 plus all the support people, plus all the people that carry stuff. This is, I don't know, 10,000 people. And it's not just to be 